What an intro to the show, if I do say so myself. Yes, welcome to episode 86 of the Metal Cell Podcast. My name is Richie, and thank you for listening. I have a great show lined up for you this week with some brilliant music. And of course, the main interview will be with Dara and Santiago of Svet Kant. I hope you like the opening track, which is called Entogen by Astralist. And Astralist is a one-man project by Kieran Coughlin of Corosa. I had a quick chat with Kieran and he told me that the idea behind the project was to let the ideas flow and see where it took him. He recorded the six tracks over a few weeks, the pandemic lockdown giving him the perfect opportunity to do so. The idea of live music not happening for some time, so just getting a demo done and seeing how well it would be received interested him he said and he recorded all the tracks from home in a rehearsal space using various types of software and did of course all the instrumentation and vocals obviously not being a drummer he programmed the drums himself and he tried to keep it as human sounding as possible so lyrically it's a loose concept about a person who ends up in the bardo the place in buddhist philosophy where you end up after death and just before your rebirth. This person chooses not to be reborn, but also rejects the idea of death and simply becomes a different form, taking on the role of the astralist and being left between worlds. Kieran also adds, there is no real main genre, only doom metal, which gives me plenty of leeway to go down a psych acoustic instrumental room at any given point. Well, having listened to it a few times, everybody, it's an absolutely brilliant effort, and I urge the listeners to give the whole EP a listen over on Astralis's Bandcamp page. Seeing out this week's show, musically-wise, is Diamir, who have just released their new single titled A Trophy. Just a few short months ago, the Northern Ireland rockers unleashed their excellent debut single, Behind the Facade. The track secured a slot on the BBC introducing mixtape with Tom Robinson on BBC Six Music and received glowing reviews from a number of musical publications around the globe. So big shout out to Peter on lead and backing vocals, John guitars and keyboards and who also produced the track, Ashley on bass who engineered the track and David on drums. It was recorded in Inca Road Studios in Lisburn and was mastered by Brad Boatwright at Audio Siege. As I said, it is the song that will finish the show. Okay, so on to the main part of the show, which is my interview with Svet Kant. Shout outs to Santiago, guitars and vocals, and Dara on drums, whom I'll be chatting to. Svet Kant were formed in 2011 by Santiago and released Loneliness, the debut album, and it was recorded in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Santiago hired a session drummer and Federico, a friend on bass, to help complete the album. Loneliness was released on August the 1st, 2013 to some great reviews. Svet Kant became his main priority after leaving Argentina to move to Ireland. Santiago recruited Paul on bass, Liam on guitars and Dara finally completed the lineup on drums. They recorded their second release on May the 31st, 2019 called The Passage Unbiased and that consisted of 10 tracks. It's an album that joyfully plays around with many musical concepts because it's impossible to fit Svet Kant into any of them. The album received widespread critical acclaim both here and overseas. So this is one of the tracks featured on it and it's called Faceless Being. 
and I want to dedicate this to Jim and Montez Crowley out in California. Enjoy the interview afterwards.
Hello, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Svet Kant to the show. I have Santiago and Dara here. How are we, lads? Hey, great. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for having us. It's great to have you on. You know, I wouldn't have actually probably met you only through Zoom, really, because, I mean, sometimes bands come down to Cork maybe once or twice a year, maybe, max. So Yeah, no, uh, sure, we, we we were discussing possibly doing it late last year, but then, sure, one thing led to another, and then all this happened, so, yeah, you know, I haven't got pushed back a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, I know, it's mad. Um, sure, look, let's have an old bitch fest about COVID-19, then <laughs> get it out of the way. <laughs> oh, but I presume a lot of you are getting work done then in relation to writing new material and stuff, yeah? Uh, well, we've been very busy. Sam, do you want to yeah. take this one? <laughs> Yeah, like uh, we used to have this, our jam place down in the Liberties in Dublin. And uh, now That's we're moving out because they're, I think they're selling the building or whatever. So huh. we basically pre-produced uh, three tracks there, uh, like all the guitars and some demo vocals. And then we just uh, hit the track mix studio to record the drums and mix. So that's pretty much done now. We just... Uh, so was this the update that you released with an EP, is it? Uh, yes, yes. Like we're currently working with a booking agent from, from England. And uh, well, we put together this uh, three-track three EP. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not short. It's about, what, 20 <laughs> minutes long? <laughs> three songs, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, something like that. minutes. Nice. So um, the idea is that... Uh, Besides being a booking agent, they are, they are also, um, they can do some label shopping for you. So they would send the material to potential labels interested in, in you know, working or some kind of deal to release the album. Okay. So we're currently doing that, uh, just waiting for any good news from, from the agent. And in the meantime, just writing more stuff in order to complete a potential album. Uh, our goal is to mainly plan to release that in 2022, 2023, like, you know, kind of like a good three to four years gap in between albums, mm-hmm. just not to kind of release albums way too often. Yeah, of course. And like, were you with Wormhole Death, is it? Are yes, you- yes. Our our first album as, a, as an Irish-based band was released with via wonderful death hmm. and uh yeah it's been it's been great so far they've been promoting us it has been released physically in japan europe and north america so pretty happy with that cool. and now just looking for any new potential uh, partners in crime <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind for those that don't know much about the band maybe if you just started santiago on your journey you're from argentina yes and probably got into metal like we all did listening to the big four and yeah did you take up guitar early then or uh i i don't think so <laughs> i don't think it was early at all i actually started playing guitar when i was 17 okay so i always started playing you know acdc you know rock hard rock stuff like that and then then I kind of started shifting towards metal. I remember, I think my my first album was uh, probably <laughs> God Hates Us All by Slayer. Good choice. And then uh, I, I also kind of became really interested in prog metal 
uh, especially Dream Theater with the album Images and Words. Mm-hmm. So it kind of evolved from there and kind of like... A, and what part of uh, Argentina are you from? I'm from the capital city, from Buenos Aires. Was there a scene there that you were aware of at 1718? Yeah, I think that every country in the world has its own metal scene, and especially capital cities, you know, mm. Dublin, uh, well, Corcos has a good scene. Like, every kind of big city has the, their metal scene. Obviously, Buenos Aires, is compared to, to Dublin, is like, I don't know, I think the population there is about three to four million people, so it's kind of like almost 10 times. Like in every scene in the world, there's no audience for local bands, but there's always audience for the big bands. So that's when the big bands come to town, the place is packed. When you you go to local shows, (laughs) no one seems to have money for that, right? (laughs) That is the only one there. (laughs) You've seen that, Dara, have you? Live at River Plate, ACDC? No, I haven't seen I'm actually not the biggest ACDC fan, to be honest. I haven't seen that one. I've seen some other... What was that other one? The one there was a big concert here. What was it like twenty years ago or something? I don't know. I've seen footage of that one, mm. um, but I'm not a massive fan to be honest. I know, as I said, um, it's just the crowd in River Plate Stadium was just insane. Uh, yeah. one of them really <laughs> yeah. kind of iconic shows. That happens yeah. the same. There's also a a Megadeth DVD in, live in Buenos Aires. Live in Buenos Aires, I have that one. It's fantastic. Uh, I was there actually. Were you not? Were you? Yeah, <laughs> nice. I was there. Um, Did you wave at Dave? And I was also on a live DVD that Dream Theater recorded back in Argentina as well. So yeah. I've been to many of them. And actually, my first metal gig was uh, in River Plate as well. It was the Monsters of Rock. And uh, it was Kiss was headlining. And support main support was Pantera. I was 10 years oh, old. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Had it? Yeah. Heft. Jesus. 95, I remember perfectly. <laughs> Who brought you to it? Uh, the sister of a good friend of mine. Like <laughs> she was older than us. I think she was like about twenty or a bit like seventeen, and she we just went there, and it was kind of packed of metalheads. I just didn't understand shit. <laughs> I don't know where, where was it? My daughter, I brought her to ACDC in Punchestown, and she was eight years old. You know, start young. That's the way. That's the best way to do it. Uh-huh. One of my mates, he got married and they went on honeymoon to Argentina. So if I had a choice, probably that and Cuba would be my main two places to go. But he said to me, like, they were on their honeymoon and he's, um, his bride was getting upset. And um, he says, you know, what's wrong? Why are you upset? You should be happy. And she goes, this is depressing. And he goes, what? And he goes, all the women over here are just so beautiful. They <laughs> <laughs> have nice women there. And good food, well, especially steaks. If you like, if you like your steaks and wine, football, rock and roll, and women. Famous for that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, then you um, took up guitar lessons. Yeah, well, uh, I'll just try to make it short because it's kind of like a, lo- a long story. So I started playing guitar like seventeen, and then I started playing electric guitar, and then at around when I was twenty one, twenty two, I kind of joined um, a metal band. A trash metal band, which was kind of, it wasn't popular or big, but it was kind of like renowned. And I was with them like for four years, five years, in, until 2005. And then we just parted ways. And in the meantime, I, I kind of started becoming interested in, in classical music. So I started playing classical guitar as well. Okay. So I kind of began, became interested in 
classical guitar or composition. So I started writing my own songs. And then if you fast forward another five years, when I was still studying uh, guitar, it was about 2010, 2011, and I was kind of, I had like this, you know, this one man project. So I started putting songs together and I started producing them with a producer, blah, blah, blah. So that kind of was ready to be released. And in 2012, and then I said, okay, uh, I want to I wanna study music or further my music career abroad. So as my brother was living here, I came here to Ireland. That was in the beginning of 2013. And did you record those tracks before you left for Ireland or yeah yeah that's right so I did everything in Argentina and then I just came here and kind of just release it to, just to have something in, or, in order to be able to kind of look for potential musicians and so you used the session drummer on the first album then and a friend yeah. filled in on bass yeah exactly yes that's oh. right and then yeah well and then when I was here uh, well, I kind of settled in here. Uh, this was in April 2013, and then I started looking for for band members. So first, first I met Paul, the bass player. Mm-hmm. Then we contacted uh, Lim through Facebook ads, something like that. So he joined, and then we find like this this drummer from France, and he it was it was kind of going well. And then on the day of the gig, or on the day before our first gig, he kind of, uh, he just disappeared out in the <laughs> thin air. So, so that's why now I love France. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, so on the day of the gig, that was on, the, I think it was on the 17th of March or 20th. So with the lads say, okay, since we bailed out of the, the, of the gig at least let's go to the to the gig just to support the bands and then one of those bands was playing mr dara he was oh uh, yeah it was with what morality yeah yes yes uh now the i think the guitarist of that band has gone kind of awol and then uh the bass player slash slash singer has now joined element x so so now we have two bands that splintered off <laughs> He used to look like oh. uh, Tom Araya a lot. Well, funny you say that because we did a, when was it? Oh, 2014, New Year's Eve. I think we did a Slayer tribute. tribute. Yeah. We played uh, a bunch of Slayer songs, some you know stupid songs that are impossible to play, Ditto Head and stuff <laughs> like that. I don't know whose bright idea that was, but I think there's some terrible, terrible video floating around somewhere on YouTube was playing Ditto Head on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> And you decided to keep the name then? Yeah, so on that gig, I, I was with the lads and I told, okay, that's going to be our new drummer. So then I just kind of friended Dara and then we started chatting and he started kind of as a session musician, as a session drummer, and then we kind of convinced him to become a permanent member of the band. And then for about a, a year, I was in the, in the two bands at the same time, and that was uh, exhausting. <laughs> I think it was one time in the Pint, or it was the Wiley Fox we played, uh, and then Fibbers, I think I played three gigs in one day. <laughs> that was fairly, that was something. <laughs> what band was that, Dara? Oh, Morality. It's so hard to find drummers. We were only on about that in the last podcast. I know. And a lot of drummers tend to be in three or four different bands. I think I was in the three bands, actually, for... 
for about five minutes. I think we had our first gig next door to where I live in Blessing. I think we had our first jam there. And Danny, you know Danny from Trophy and various other bands. He was that's how I met him. Me, him, and Dara were in Horanda for a little while. We had our first gig and our second gig in Fibbers downstairs when they were renovating and putting on the course paint and going upstairs. <laughs> Great fun. Brilliant. It all counts, man. More experience, you know. Exactly, exactly. I don't know how, I couldn't tell you how many bands I've been in now. Well, six or seven, seven or eight. People always get on to me about asking bands how they got their name. It's not something that rolls off the tongue easily. Spet. Can't. So basically, um, I have my, my grandmother, she's from uh, Slovenia. So when I was kind of putting names together, I kind of was looking for the concept of, you know, holy failure or holy denial. So it's kind of like a, like a wordplay. Svet is, is kind of like holy in Slovenian. And then can't is just kind of like, can't sounds, sounds like, you know, cannot, you know, the two words cannot, can't. And, and I think it also means something like denial in some Slavic language or something like that. So it's the concept of the name of the band is around uh, the holy, how, how important denial or a failure is if you actually adopt it in the correct way in life. So whenever you kind of hit your head against the wall really hard, you can either kind of learn from it or you can either become bitter about it. So it's kind of like, it's like, you know, life karma, how it always teaches you to, uh, to learn from each failure and then kind of move on, become, yeah, and become a better you know, person, individual, whatever. How did you find then working when you do all the the band members together and you were jamming, you know, bringing your ideas to the lads? I'm sure it must have been unusual for you as probably because you're so individualistic with your music. Um, was it hard then to kind of share it with the others and try and get their inputs in? Uh, the idea, the thing is that by the time uh, we put the, the band together, like our first gig was in 2015. Mm. So by then I almost had like a second album kind of fully written. So I said, okay, from, for this album, let's go this way. And now from, for this, for the new material that we're working on, like I'm kind of trying to step away a little bit from the writing of music because like it's been like too overwhelming. Like it's kind of, so I want Instead of me doing everything or most of it, I just want people to bring their ideas and kind of write more as a band or at least have a lot of more input from other people so that uh, um, everybody everybody feels like they're contributing and uh, it's also mo- more motivating for everyone and I kind of have like a little break for myself. <laughs> Is that a fair enough synopsis, Dara? Yeah, and I think the first riff that was kind of brought to the table was by Liam, and it was just this off-the-wall kind of black metal riff. And I was like, what is this? Like a real kind of da 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 I'm like, okay, I'll just um, make the pedals go. So that was a, a nice kind of jump into the new kind of style of writing that we've been doing the last year and a half, two years. So it's been very interesting. Yeah, it comes across in especially in the your last album the musicianship is you know really through the roof you know so it's been a very uphill kind of battle for me because i've gone from a very different 
musical kind of place like mainly uh, my previous band Magalagog real kind of just thrash metal kind of stuff and then morality more thrash metal so very just 4-4 four, four stuff for me and then going into all these different kind of time signatures and stuff so that's been really like growing as a as a, mu- as a musician uh, it's been it's been very rewarding I'd say I'd have to say you started, what was it, 14 when you took up the drum kit? Was it, it was 14, yeah. Um, and my first band, Kevin on a Bike, we were, that was completely different style altogether, more kind of pop punky kind of stuff. Hmm. And then into Magalagog, and then I was in the two, them two bands for about a year as well. And then it was just Magalagog for a while until I had some health issues and I had to quit drumming for about two years. And then... Thank, thank God I got a I got a double lung transplant, so all good now. Uh, and then I, about two months after that, I started looking for a new band. To be honest, it was kind of a media. Like I need to get back on the back on the horse and start playing again. Yeah, and your influences then, Dara? Is it mainly trash, or what? Or what is it just? Probably in the in the, the beginning stage, definitely trash. Like the first five years of playing, it was mainly trash and kind of grungy stuff. Mm. starting off but then you know after that like same as everyone kind of definitely branching off into the weirder kind of more extreme stuff and then time signatures and yeah stuff like that but definitely started off you know, with the, the kind of the simpler stuff metallica slayer anthrax well yeah. simple but like kind of more straightforward kind of stuff it's the emergence of gojir and mashuga then oh definitely yeah absolutely yeah they, and all, all that weird stuff <laughs> they definitely brought up uh the whole level of playing for everybody i think oh. Uh, absolutely yeah yeah like even just practicing at home on my own trying to play gojira and you're just like oh like i, I just want to throw down the sticks i'm done <laughs> <laughs> santiago what kind of gear then do you use do you basically upgrade every year or two or are you quite content with the well uh meant you have at the moment well i actually you know how like musicians tend to accumulate shit rather rather than get rid of it well i'm trying to go the opposite way and like previously, I well, I still have it. I have like this Mesa Boogie triaxis and preamp, whatever, and it's like a, it's like it weights like a ton. So bringing that to each gear, it was for me, it was it, it was enough. And so I said, okay, I'm just gonna try to keep it as simple as possible because if you, like if you wanna move, sometimes it's better to keep it simple. So I just got well, I, I didn't just get it, but I bought a couple of years ago. You know, the camper oh, the which robot. Is kind of, <laughs> which is very has become like very popular in the the last couple of years because it's like you just uh, load uh, your your profiles you can buy them online or sometimes uh, Mick from Tragmic Studio he pulls them up for free on his website so it, like it's really handy um, I just use that just bring that little piece of shit and you just connect it to you can connect it to the PA or to any amp and it just works perfectly fine and for the guitar, then I used to have like what four, six guitar. I just sold them all. I just stick to my one electric guitar, uh, and then I also have my other classical guitar, which is for other purposes. So I just try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, and going away then on tour, you went to Russia. Mother Russia, yeah. Yes. What, a, what an experience! Oh, it was fantastic. It's great. <laughs> How did it happen, lads? How did it come about? Uh, well, they contacted think, us, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the the guys from the Vulcan agency just contacted us via Facebook. And then it was originally supposed to happen 
I think in January of 2017, sorry, in December or November of 2017, and then it kind of got pushed back to to June, July 2018 to, with the World Cup. And uh, yeah, and was, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> it was like Russia is a really, really peculiar country. It's, when I remember when I first landed there, I felt like I was, I just landed in another planet. Like everything was familiar. <laughs> everything was very familiar, but so different at the same time. At the same time, yeah. I, I got that too. <laughs> you played nine gigs in all. Yep. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine and some of them I don't remember. Because <laughs> um, we were like, we were doing huge treks between gigs, like 10 hours, I think 10 hours in a bus, like almost straight. So like you do not want to be hung over doing that. So I think we, to be honest, we only really drank twice, two or three times. Yeah, only, on, only night, on our... Last our, night we really drank. <laughs> only on, on our days off. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Like maybe maybe you had a beer after the gig just to celebrate yeah. with the promoters and some of the, the, the public uh, and sell some t-shirts, sign some shirts, yeah. whatever. But it's not that you were you were going out on a, on a how do you call it on a bash and just oh no, to... we definitely had a bash on the last one we found this uh, <laughs> karaoke bar and we stayed there till about four o'clock i think we had to be up at about eight for the for the two-hour drive to the airport then the flight from moscow to uh germany, germany. I think, and then germany. back home yeah. so fairly big trek but it was definitely worth it <laughs> and, a t- and a tour like that would bring you closer together absolutely yeah 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 like unfortunately because of of work reasons it was only just the three of us it wasn't the full band so we had to do a bit of well serious hats off to santi you know in a a week or two weeks now it was changing being able to play all the all the songs on guitar to bass so that's crazy i don't even know how we began to to do that jesus (laughs) so much respect there yeah Uh, yeah like in the tour like like we've always, you know, when you live in, in the same country and everybody lives in their own home, like you never experience what is to be on a tour 24-7 with the same people for, what, 10 days in a row. So obviously there are some some rough edges that need to be kind of polished all the time because like all, all of a sudden you're kind of forced to live with other people that you never lived with, right? But I think that overall, like we only had like one or two discussions, but it, it wasn't out of a big deal everything was kind of really really the sound alcohol was definitely involved in those <laughs> yeah always but yeah the, the 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 public and the audience in, in russia they are very warm despite despite all the movies from america saying that the russian people are cold and kind of cold whatever. i was completely kind of shocked at how they were warm amazing. everyone was amazing they were, they were unbelievably nice yeah yeah free vodka a lot of free <laughs> vodka it was a bit. <laughs> you had the album then to for them to buy as well, had you? The Passage Unbiased at that stage? Yeah, yeah, we brought... We brought that was um, just ready, yeah. We brought albums and we brought um, T-shirts. And, and did you sell them out? No, not, not everything, but we sold... A fair bit, like. A fair bit, yeah. So let's just talk about your last release, actually, The Passage Unbiased. Um, Mick Richards, Track Mix Studios. How did you come by Mick? Oh, he's a wizard. I've I've worked with him twice before that in previous bands, so nice to be back. <laughs> and Santiago, yeah. had you come across him before that? No. Uh, 
like I, I am I'm in a couple of um, Facebook groups, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, metal metal groups, obviously. And uh, I think he posted, or maybe one of the band members posted a a, a video. I think it was uh, the devil. What's the the devil wants her swag back? That's the name of the band, right? Yeah, the devil wants her swag back. Now they are they changed their name to Displace Hell. Oh, okay. Yes. So I I remember uh, seeing one of of them videos, which was uh, produced by Mick, and I said, "Wow, this sounds like really really good." So I just got in touch with him, and then I went down to the studio, explained him a little bit about the our album, about uh, what we were looking for, and then we kind of like said, "Okay, we booked like we booked because all of us were working." Uh, we booked instead of working like you know like two weeks in a row of the studio we we, we booked like four weekends okay three day weekends so friday to sunday for four four weekends in a row right and then i think that was about six months before the recording date so in those six months which i just we just kind of Rehearse a lot, especially with Dara, me and me and him in his place. Right here behind us, he was here every day for about three <laughs> months, uh, yeah. from about nine o'clock to about two. No exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, oh, like three was, times a week. Yeah. Oh, I think it was a bit more. I think it was about three or four, or maybe five. <laughs> the odd time. Yeah. I think coming up to the album recording time, it was a lot. Yeah, and it was then, a lot of remember, hard work. It was just before your birthday. We were out, and it was. A kind of a late night I remember and uh, uh, I think I was getting like the last bus home and we were having many many beers and I said jokingly I was like oh so practice first thing tomorrow yeah and uh, I think you you took me seriously and then <laughs> and then at nine o'clock I'm nine o'clock in the morning I'm lying in bed hung over and all of her is just I'm like oh no <laughs> oh I thought he was joking <laughs> Brilliant. But we worked very 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 uh it was it was very hard kind of uh, uh, structure to to of all the practice to to get the album in in kind of recorded in shape. But we did it. I think it was about two two and a half months straight, kind of like that. Yeah, I think but, it was over the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. It was uh, yeah. We only had about two songs kind of done before that, and then I think we learned what was it six or five or six songs kind of straight in the two months from like me not hearing anything to the finished product in that amount of time some going yeah very difficult it's one of the it's actually one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life <laughs> but i couldn't i couldn't be more proud of it yeah. absolutely and were wormhole debt on board at that stage lads no actually it's funny because i remember we were rehearsing once at daras and he was dropping me or picking me up at the at the how is it called the square in tala and i received an email from a producer in in italy telling me that they liked our sound and they were interested in producing our, our album and that they had connections with War Humble Death. So it would be a good idea if we went and recorded it down in Italy. But I said, look, man, we already have, we, we already have the studio booked with, with Mick. So mm. like it wouldn't be, wouldn't be worth it. So what we did was basically we produced all the album and then I said, okay, now I have the album ready. And so then I basically went label shopping. So just kind of, basically I kind of did like a research, you know, like market research. So 
I took a list of all the bands that I like, of all metal bands that kind of could be come closer to us. And I just went on finding out all the labels they were in. And then I basically sent an email to all the labels of all the bands that we like. And, uh, then, and then we had like, we had a couple of uh, negotiations and uh, kind of talks back and forth with like about four or five and then we just stuck to Wormhole Death. Yeah. How did Death by Metal come on board then? They contact me, they contact us through Facebook. So yeah. they're they're trying to like we had like a couple of a couple of opportunities to go to America, but obviously it obviously got yeah. delayed for obvious reason. They're based in Missouri. Yes. So yeah, I talk I talk to them like regularly. Like now, not so often because mm. of the pandemic. But uh, we're trying to see if we can book a couple of dates uh, over for summer of 2021, which is about a good nine months. So yeah. technically, things sh- should be fingers kind crossed. Of, things will be yeah uh, quieted down a bit. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Ted Jensen then, um, my jaw dropped when I saw him. Um, how yeah. did it come about him of good yeah. Deftones, Pantera? Well, it's, for me, it's the same process as finding a label. I said, what are the bands which is would you listen to? And you say, this is absolutely out of the roof. And then you listen to Gajira, you listen to Deftones, you listen to what Megadeth, Metallica, whatever, and then you just go to the credits, who's the mastering engineer, and then you just pick one. And he agreed first time. Well, these are like, you, you don't talk to him. This is a, like a super huge mastering studio in New York. So he has like his own assistant. So you basically tell him, look, we're looking to master our album. What are your fees, your rates? This is the type of sound, of sound we're looking for. And then we'll go for it. Like the way I see it is for me, and I think it's kind of like a, almost a common practice among the industry that you always try to master the album uh, uh, with a different engineer than your mixing engineer, because this gives you like a new fresh perspective of ears. You know, yeah. it's a fresh objective so, uh, pair of ears. Yeah. So, and you know, you always know that once you get a product from them, it's going to be market ready. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially him, Darrow. How hard was it to keep it quiet that Ted was doing? Oh, I think I, I, I think I first told my dad, and then of course he went and immediately Wikipedia and, and Wikipedia, and he's like Hotel California, and I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it starts listing off all these names, and I was like, yeah, I've, I, I can't believe it, and I think well actually the first one that popped up. Uh, I think he did uh, Endgame by Megadeth. I'm like, that is one of my favorite Megadeth albums. Like of the of the recent ones, this t- this side of the of the century, that's definitely probably the best one. I, I'd say. Uh, mm. So yeah, it was really really cool. It was. Jeez, that's uh, and of course, like the finished product was fantastic. Then what, yeah, um, like the, the the way the way I see it, or the way you learn from experiences, is that it, it may it probably will cost more than having it masters somewhere else but you know that in 20 years time it's still gonna sound great you know so it's better to put a little bit more money now and in maybe in 20 years time you listen to that and you're gonna say "Uh, i just wish i didn't i paid those extra bucks you know yeah 
Um, how did you come across then um, Treadbearer artwork who did the cover free? Uh, well, actually, um, uh, I don't know. They, I think they done a couple of good album covers for, you know, this band called Belfegor, or I don't know how you pronounce that. Belfegor, yeah. So, I know, I just, I think they just popped up in my feed, or I know how I find them, and I just follow them on Facebook because I think they, they produce, like, really, really good content. And then every once in a while, they... They put up some prints or some designs that are for sale. And I remember that when I saw that, I said, wow, that looks really, really cool. So I said, okay, that kind of fits of the, the concept that I had in my head for the, for the name of the album. So I said, okay, let's go for that. I just bought, bought it from them. And right. then I did. I that did was our mascot. Whole yeah. face. <laughs> and then I did all the design for the album and like in Photoshop and shit like that. Yeah, and the collaboration then with Rebecca Rogers. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, I I actually moved to Ireland to study music, to keep on studying music. So I started uh, classical music at a conservatory here called the Royal Irish Academy of Music. So it's just a friend of mine from, from the conservatory. She's a soprano singer, an opera singer, basically. Mm. And then I just said... I, I always I always liked Opeth and especially like this this song of by Opeth called Coil, which is the opening track of Watershed album. Yeah. I just love how the the voice of a female singer gives an extra touch to the to the album and then I said, Okay. Very brave, very brave move. Um what you I call think? that song. Sorry, I, I call that song the mammy song. Because you play <laughs> you play your mom, you know, when you finish an album and you're all proud of it and you play them all the songs and they're like, oh, you know, it's a bit heavy for me. And then you hear that one song and you hear the beautiful voice and like, oh, I like that. Oh, one. I like it. The <laughs> yeah. so one, all the mommy's like. <laughs> the video for that song, Sea of Planets, is amazing. Yeah. I... That's Olga. Is it Olga? Yeah, Olga. Yeah, Olga. She's worked with her twice now, isn't it? Twice. Yeah. She also did our latest promo shoot. She has like a really good eye and. Like uh, I think she has like this understanding or like it's always good to bring a little bit of female perspective into the metal genre because sometimes it's like too Absolutely. too macho balls to the walls, you know? Yes. So, <laughs> so it's good to kind of have like a little there. Usually women are well, usually you know, they are way classier than men in terms of <laughs> aesthetics and style. So it's always good to have an opinion about that. Yes, very much so. Did she come up with the whole concept of the swan? And yeah, actually, um, actually, I just told her she she sent me the script, and then I said, okay, yeah, go for it. She just sent me that, and uh, almost when us also when when it was almost almost ready, we just changed a little a little edits. But when she sent me the first cut, it was kind of like ninety five percent, ninety eight percent ready. And like I think it's it's really cinematic, and that was that was kind of what we were looking for. That's incredible! It's incredible for an Irish band to come out with that. It's just jaw dropping, and um, to put it mildly, um, I also really like a gaze indifferent to your suffering. That video as well. Um, that was done by Crooked Gentlemen, Jeff Doyle and Sean Ryan. How did yeah. you know these lads? Yeah, good guys. Yeah, they. It's a really like. I remember 
remember I told you that I, I got to know Mick because of, because of uh, this Facebook group where he posted a video of this song. And actually the video was produced by this guy, Cooked Gentleman. So it kind of, it was almost full circle. So I got in touch with them. I told him we were looking for uh, like a, a performance, performance video, just the band playing, but in black and white. I think it kind of suits really well the overall tone of song and uh, That's a and i and also the uh, i know if you know a song called by decapitated called homo sum yeah. and uh well i kind of told them look we're kind of looking for something like this where every once in a while you see a a, a lyric of the song in the in the middle of the video so we just we just went for that and i think it sounds and looks really, really good. And then the the song is, I know, it's a really weird song, but I think it's a cool song. It works, yeah. You like that song? Is it? Yeah, four videos for that album. Um, the Cogs of Envy, again, is another different perspective again with visual effects. Julius. Yeah. Is that how we pronounce it? I think you pronounce it Horse House. Oh. He's from, he's from, from Netherlands. And uh, yeah, well, he's basically the, the same guy who produced Meshuga's um, video for Clockworks. There you go. I was wondering, I came across his style before and I just couldn't figure out where it was. All fractals. Yeah. So fractal art, it's, it's a form of, what, how would you even pronounce it? Algorithmic? Algorithmic. Art created by calculating fractal objects and representing the calculation results as still images, animations, and media. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, a fractal is something that, when you zoom in, the thing is com- is kind of made up of that same very thing. It's kind of like a snowflake. So if you kind of zoom in infinitely into a snowflake, you will see that the snowflake is kind of made up by little more no fix and if you keep zooming in etc etc i think uh disney actually took the video the idea for that video to make uh, frozen 2 isn't that, isn't that true i think <laughs> sounds good <laughs> <laughs> were you involved then in um persona yeah contra natura i actually did that video myself because uh i was studying some media in in college i was in like a master's in trinity so i kind of started um taking one of my assignments was After Effects and video editing. So I just said, I know, let's go. Since lyric videos are becoming so popular, I said, okay, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. And then I just started looking at uh, YouTube tutorials and just putting a lot of time. Actually, a lot of that video, uh, I was editing that while we were in Russia, when we had like this (laughs) 10-hour trips between locations. Dara, Dara was playing. Gig gig. Yeah, Dara was playing with his little PlayStation. <laughs> Between video games and sleep, and that's that's what you do on them kind of buses. Yeah, and not dying. <laughs> journeys. Yeah, there was a couple of bumpy roads. A couple. Of, oh my God! Remember that one big crash we saw? Jesus. Oh yeah. That was... Oh, that was kind of scary. There was a guy hanging out of a window. We were going past this giant road, and there was like a truck and a guy hanging out. Oh my God! I'll never forget that. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of rough. They're actually famous, those uh, YouTube clips of the Russian 
car crashes you know they all have the dash yeah. Jesus Christ. or like a, a ufo or a giant big explosion or something you always see stuff like that but we see it in real life <laughs> Fucking hell. oh yeah they, they drive oh. like crazy they drive like crazy yes. our bus driver my god he was a he was a hero <laughs> he was fantastic uh, but he was russian obviously yeah, all of oh, yeah. Uh, i don't even think he spoke a word of english <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that album was then listed in World of Metal in the top 20 experimental albums of 2019. Yeah, in Brazil. Yeah. So that was then, pretty cool accolade. Yeah, I think we had like really, really, really good reviews like from many, many parts of the world, like Brazil, like, well, uh, Metal Ireland, this is at his favorite albums of the year. And then some, now I can't remember all of them, but. I think it, it had like really nice positive reviews, which is always rewarding, you know, like seeing all the effort kind of mm. coming back in some kind of lab from the from the fans is like super rewarding. And how do you find Ireland lads in relation to getting your product out there? Do you find it difficult or <clears throat> is it very much um a closed scene or do you, do you feel that you could go over to England and maybe get more attention? I think it can be yeah. difficult sometimes because uh, it is, you know, compared to other countries, it is such a small kind of market. But look, we have to kind of shop around everywhere. We have to you know, push ourselves here and then abroad. And I think that, in my opinion, in terms of releasing music and making it to know two people now it's super easy because everything is digital so it's just a matter of kind of mm. getting in touch with the right people mm-hmm. i think that the main problem with ireland is as it is an island the main problem is kind of actually hitting the road so yeah kind of organizing a tour is obviously more complicated because you have to go to mainland or you have to go to england and uh, mm. obviously that involves more costs and more logistics yeah but other than that, it's kind of, I think that other than that, it shouldn't be much different. Mm. But also, I think as well, though, if you release a really strong album like you did, it gets more attention and gets to more people a lot faster than we'll say if the UK or mainland Europe. It could just be swamped, you know? Um, I think it's just a matter of being patient, you know? You always have to kind of release good stuff all the time. Like, Whenever you whenever you release stuff, like make sure you're absolutely happy about it, and then see how it goes, and uh, and then you're just slowly building your name, your brand, and then people will start trusting in your brand, and eventually fans will come. Uh, you just need to be consistent and work hard and disciplined. Mm, yeah. In relation to yourself, then Santiago, do you start with a riff when you're developing an idea? you more or less write it from the, the actual concept of the song and then develop it with the drums and maybe bass and then before you even get the lyrics? Uh, he likes to make it as difficult as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I like to challenge the people that play with me. And uh, well, I think that as you write music, you kind of change and you kind of learn all the time obviously you don't write music all the same the same way right mm-hmm. and but i think that i usually kind of grab my guitar and then i just try you know jamming away kind of you know fiddling around with the and see what comes up and then 
if I if I feel that this is kind of has potential, then I write it down, and then I maybe I, I write it down and then I don't come back to it for a couple of weeks, and then when I come back to it, maybe I say, okay, this is shit, or okay, this is Change worth it slightly. Yeah. So you always ha you always have have kind of you have to understand that whenever you're writing music, everything is always in draft mode until the moment you release it. Mm. So you you have to be flexible about changing your your mind all the time because like you have to always try to push for for the best. But what I do is I write music, I write um, first the guitars, and then I try to to kind of have like a song structure, kind of like a almost definite song structure about ninety percent, and then and then I start adding parts. So at first I have like the rhythmic guitar then i add the second guitar maybe then come up with some bass ideas and then for the drums maybe i program some drums but i program them like really kind of as simple as possible just like to show octopus <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I, I used to go crazy about that but now i kind of change and try i just tell her okay i have this this is kind of like what i'm looking for you to do and maybe he agrees Okay, or maybe he says, "Look, I have this," and if he shows me something that it, I think it's different and suits the part, then I say, "Okay, let's go with with what you the, propose." The Conjuring, the one we did uh, during lockdown, I think that was the first song that was there was no kind of idea for drums. It was just just music that I kind of just came up with everything myself. So that was that was an interesting one. A few weird parts in in that. You know, I think maybe eighty percent of the typical Irish metal fan like following patterns in the music and mm. say bands like too many of them <laughs> bands like yourself and Zahora it's my opinion anyway that like that you build a solid foundation of a song and then just dovetail off left right and center yeah, yeah. like three, so three songs within a song what people sometimes say that it's like three songs within the same song mm. oh, yeah but like I usually like it's funny because maybe when I was writing the music, I said, but I, I thought I thought it was consistent. But it's always good to have like an, an outsider perspective to maybe let you know that what you thought it was kind of obvious is not obvious. So mm. maybe now we're trying to make it more obvious, right? So now we have like a very very solid and very <coughs> identifiable riff that you can relate throughout the whole song. And then maybe you can depart from it, but then you can come back so that the listener says, oh, okay, that's the, that's a riff that kind of is the main hook of the song. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. I, think, so, I think objectively between like the, the brand new ones that we just recorded and listen back to the first album, like it's, it's changed a good bit. Like it's, there's definitely a lot more kind of, uh, not structure, but like parts that it goes back to. And uh, I think, what's the longest song on the first album? I think it's like over 10 minutes, 11 minutes. And these ones are also very long as well, but I think these are these ones are a bit more focused. So I think as a band, we're just getting more and more kind of focused as each kind of album comes on. And this is like the second, the second kind of writing mode that we're we're gone into. Well, we've already done it, so we'll be entering a third writing mode now. Probably next year or late this year when we record new songs that will be on this further album past the EP. So it's a very exciting time. Yeah, sounds great, man. And gig wise, I know it is what it is at the moment, but oh. you announced that you're playing Dream Evil in London. 
in the under. Yeah, actually, actually, we had like we had like really good plans for this year. We had, I think we had about five gigs cancelled, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we we had like two two gigs booked for the Isle of Man. Right. Were already already inked down. It was for the tenth and eleventh of April, but that was when the shit hit the fan hard. Yeah. And then we were gonna well close um, the Iron Mountain Metal Festival. That's right. Lining that, yeah. And then we also had some other gigs in, I think, Waterford or whatever. And now we're working with this booking agent, and then they got us uh, this gig in, in London in the, the Camden Underworld, supporting Swedish Dream Evil. Mm. And yeah, we're really looking forward to that. Really cool spot, actually. I was in the Underworld to watch the Crow Mags there. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Uh, no, it was quite a an iconic venue. venue. It's mm. iconic, yeah. It's a great venue. The sound in there is fantastic as well. So that's a really fingers crossed that happens. <laughs> yeah, a really good one. If it does come good in the end, you know, you just don't know. Oh, yeah, and hope. also, and also, we're trying to kind of build build our international scene gigs, right? So maybe you know, we I think we we played in Ireland for what a bit good four years in a row like we kind of played a lot of gigs like almost 100 gigs in the last couple of years so uh, we think that it's time to kind of start also building the the brands the band's name internationally so we had this this great uh, russian tour which was amazing we also played a couple of gigs in belfast and but you know playing london playing england is always like a good a good thing to have in your CV, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you did try to get through to Bloodstock as well with Metal to the Masses, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, we, we played a couple of a couple of, of instances. And uh, it's funny because like sometimes there are so many good bands that get uh, don't get to the finals. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's only one or two spots. So maybe there are, maybe there are like a good of good few bands that all of them could compete there but only one or two can make it there yeah and i think it's always a good experience and it's, it's good to to play always fun gigs yeah fun gigs and with good crowd you know so yeah yeah I'd, you I'd, learn from everything i would love to see you over in bloodstock actually it's it's a perfect uh, venue for you it was it was just that last weekend there wasn't the last couple of days it was meant to be on unfortunately yeah. We did five years in a row in Bloodstock and then moved on to Brutal Assault. So, mm. um, yeah. Oh, give anything to be in a field, getting lashed on with a, a very expensive point, being uh, half deaf right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's the worst, man. It's the worst. It really yeah, yeah. It comes into festival season. I have my head in my hands just going, oh, my yeah. God. Because <laughs> no, we've been doing it for years, you know, just going across to Hellfest, going to Bloodstock. We're all suffering, really. You'd see us all yeah, the same guy Facebook at the same time going, don't put up any pictures yeah. last year or the year before. The last couple of days, everyone's the exact same thing. It's like, I, I should be wrecked in my tent right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've gone from the tents now, Dara, man. We're, we're, we're senior citizens at this age. Oh, Citizen. clamping. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I would hate to get into a tent. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can so be. You need your shower. Right? Need your, oh, shower yeah. your shower and your bed. What about social media, Santi? You're um, really good with the 
the composition boot camp. It's a great idea, man. Are you happy with the success of that? Well, uh, like we, like lately we've been so busy that I kind of had that, like now we're doing this, this kind of funny yeah. uh, diary thing. COVID. which mo- most of them are being done by Dara and I just kind of compile them and try to add some, some stuff it's, of the van. It, it's funny, I like think, at the start of this, at the start of this, Santi was like, oh, make these videos, just do little bits and pieces, you know, and we'll kind of compile them. And to be honest, I actually kind of forgot. And I started making these weird little shorts for my own Instagram, just out of kind of boredom and my love to edit because I did that in college. And then Santi was like, yeah, we could, make these a compilation and include it with you know, all other stuff the lads are doing and make just weird, you know, band updates and stuff like that. So, I don't know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it's kind of like, day. But we all can understand it, you know. I made a really good one today about orange juice, so I'll be uploading that tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know, you know, you're sitting there drinking a glass of orange juice, like, huh? this could be a video. <laughs> that's, that's how our... our that's how our heads are messed up right now after all this, what, five, five, three months of quarantine, you know? Have to channel it into you something start, You start losing your mind. <laughs> yes. But going back to the, to the riff thing, yes, um, like I had the idea of kind of releasing like different levels and do more stuff. Like I just recently moved to my place, so now I have like my own little studio, if you want to call it. So I have like freedom of time. So the idea is to to regularly post content. Mm. But uh, the the COVID Diaries is going to be 10 episodes. So we're going to finish that and then we're going to move on onto the, onto the riff, riffages and stuff like that. I mean, it's always good to kind of, if people want to use their riffs, those riffs in their songs, they're for free, you know? And whatever, whatever feels people uh, sit down and write a song, it's always a good... Yeah, of course, I mean, you have to look back maybe your 13 or 14 year old self and if you came across that youtube channel it's very user friendly and you know it's certainly the way you i suppose coach it it's very easy as well so i mean that's yeah like i think youtube is a great place for tutorials for people who are and do it yourself focused you just go there you just browse whatever you want and there like there's some really useful stuff that you can learn from the wellspring of knowledge it is it's true yeah okay lads so that's it um as i said i'm delighted to get finally get to talk to you finally thank god thanks very much for having (laughs) us it was amazing yeah thanks so much richie yeah no problem man and as i said i'm a huge fan and i think um you definitely have a concrete fan base in ireland and get up to the next level please god next year when so much back to normality Yes, we're we're working on that, and as soon as we have new stuff ready to be shown to the public, you're gonna be the first one to to listen from us. I'd appreciate. We'll be back to our routine of going every Saturday night and talking about the next band that's coming into town. Fingers crossed. Okay. Thanks very much for having us. How are we doing? Thanks so much. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye.